Devo have the opportunity to go to the Centre for Change. Lord, we do pray that you watch over them. All those practical things like uh, catching flights and flights not being delayed or whatever. And uh, safety in their travel, Lord God. I thank you, Father, as they minister over there in the Centre of Change, that your Holy Spirit will just anoint their words and uh, they will see uh, people come to know you. They will see people healed. They will see people restored, Lord God, through their ministry in Jesus' name. Father, we commit them to you and we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. Fantastic. You may take your seats. Hey, thanks, team. You guys are exceptional. We appreciate you guys as your leaders in worship. Yeah. Just a couple of things. We're about to release all the YP, the young people, to their discipleship class in a moment, all our 12 and 13-year-olds. But before I do, um, the um, baptism, water baptism, uh, Within the next two months, we'll be having a water baptism, baptizing some people. So if you know that you, that's the next step that you definitely need to take, you need to come and see uh, Pastor Malcolm or in the ring through the office, and uh, we'll be able to set a time where we take you through a class, and I'd love to hear from you. Um, okay, so please be aware of that. Uh, the other thing that was made mention to me this morning, the World Day of Prayer. It's where um, you're welcome to go. Any Christians in Gladstone, there's a World Day of Prayer every year. This happening this year at the Catholic Church this Friday at 9 a.m. So you're welcome to that. So just um, be aware of that. So all the young people, 12 and 13 year olds, you're welcome to go this morning and uh, be a part of that. Brilliant. I want to just turn your attention to a verse this month we'll be looking at God's Word, and uh, we're just going to put it up on the screen, but please look in your own Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 3, 2 Timothy, and we'll just park it right there. Thanks, guys. So uh, this is a well-known passage that Paul wrote to a young guy who was being mentored by uh, Paul. Uh, his name was Timothy. Um, we got any Timothys in the house? No? He's got a second name. <laughs> what a great name. So 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, it says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Um, don't, get, don't get too hassled by that word. Doctrine just means God's truth. Um, it's um, for reproof. Uh, another word for that is rebuke. <laughs> uh, for correction for instructions in righteousness or instructions in right living, that the man of God may be complete. May I just say that generic? So it could be man or woman of God may be complete, uh, thoroughly equipped for every good work. What a great thought. God wants to complete us to be complete. You may say, well, I feel complete. Yeah, you know, maybe physically we're complete, but you know, I find daily or weekly in my heart, there's always things that come up that just, just think, well, how do I respond to this? How do I deal with this? How do I work through this? And, uh, and I find as I search for the answers through even God's Word, or, or I'm reading God's Word daily, it's not so much I'm searching for answers as much as just reading it daily. I remember something that I've read and I thought, that's the answer, or that's the thing that will just complete me in having the right response in this circumstance comes out of God's word, God's truth. What a great book. It says thoroughly equipped, thoroughly equipped. None of us would go run on the, um, 
on the uh, football field or, or the netball court or, or, or remember those days when you used to play sport without the right shoes, without maybe the, the right t-shirt, you know, the right shirt on, uh, whatever it may be uh, in life. None of us go to our job without the right equipment, whether it's a computer or a hammer or a, t- or a tool or a, whatever it is or notepad. You've got, you've got to have the right equipment to do the job well. And, you know, I want to just say we put a lot of emphasis on the things of this world and having the right equipment and being equipped. Why don't we say, let's be equipped in here. And that's what God's Word word does allow us to do, thoroughly equipped. I um, I read a great story. Uh, The year was 1917, and if you are aware of history, you'll recognize what was happening in the world at that time. Uh, What was it? World War I, from 1915 through to about 1920. In 1917, they were right in the middle of it. Allied forces had joined against Germany. Germany was marching down through Europe. And there was a young man called Private Bush, 1917. Uh, he, he was fresh. He was an, he was an Englishman. Uh, and he was fighting on the, the war-ravaged battlefield of Belgium. Um, and if, you can, if some of you have seen the pictures of World War I, the, the, you know, the trenches and the, and the scarred um, landscape of all those holes created by bombs, you know, the crater, they were enormous, and the, and the mud and the choir and guys walking across through that. Uh, it, was a, it was a terrible time in history, I suppose. And Private Bush, this young man, uh, probably in his you know, late teens, early 20s, I wasn't quite sure of his total uh, exact age, but he's part of that. And he's faithfully, unfortunately, one morning, he is making his way across from one trench to another. And the German um, forces, two snipers, German snipers, had him lined up in their sights, and they both fired at the same time. Uh, the bullets, two bullets, hit him in the chest. Um, the impact of that, uh, that force knocked him back into a, uh, a crater of a bomb hole. You know what I'm talking about? It was full of water. And unfortunately, um, uh, Private Bush couldn't swim, so you can thinking this is a bad day. Not only do you get hit in the chest with a couple bullets, but now you're going to drown before you get the chance to bleed to death. So he's thrashing around in this massive crater, trying to gasp for breath and touch the bottom or find, you know, make his way to the side. Thankfully, two of his um, officers or two uh, soldiers who were friends of his um, saw the predicament and crawled their way across to the hole. And just in time, before, I suppose, in a sense, going down for the last time, they were able to drag him out of that, that crater and pull him to safety. Uh, of course, and they thought he had been mortally wounded. Uh, as they um, opened up, uh, took the jacket and shirt off him and looked at his chest, you know, they couldn't find any bullet holes. Couldn't find any bullet holes. And yet, um, you know, they saw the impact and they saw what had happened. But as they looked closely, um, what had happened was uh, there was a book in his, um, in his breast pocket of his jacket. And uh, the first bullet apparently, had ricocheted off that book, gone into his shoulder, hit his collarbone and come out again. And so there was an entry and exit wound over here. Um, that's, who knows that getting shot there is a lot better than getting shot here. Um, so this book had um, ricocheted off the book. The second bullet they found actually in the book, still embedded in the book. And uh, you know where I'm going with this, but the book, because Private Bush was... Uh, a Christian who loved the Lord Jesus Christ, and his book was the Bible. And that morning, after he'd taken his devotions, he'd put the book in his breast uh, pocket of his jacket. And who knows that the Bible can save? (laughs) 
And maybe the other line is, keep it close to your heart. But whatever way you want to think about it today, uh, God's Word is powerful and God's Word is amazing. Uh, I'd like to say that those two friends of Private Bush knelt there in amazement at, at how he, got, you know, he was saved from being, because quite literally he would not be around today. Uh, there's some, uh, I love the picture of him with his wife. He went, he lived, he went to, um, uh, back to England and um, it's not going to go through for me. But he went back to England and he married, and he married this lady, and he had a little girl, and he worked in a paper mill at the age of 76, which is a bit, a bit young to pass away, but he did pass away at the age of 76. It's a lot better than passing away at 19, would you agree? And the Word of God was the thing that he had this incredible testimony. There's the actual Bible that the bullet was embedded in and ricocheted off. So obviously these bullets were pretty close. I don't know where the, maybe it was the other side the bullet ricocheted off, but there's the one that was, the bullet was embedded in. So it's quite amazing, isn't it? May that picture be um, in, you know, ingrained in your heads this morning, that God's word is incredible. Every fiery dart of the enemy, we know he can protect us as we have a hold of not just knowledge of God's word, but the application of God's word, which becomes wisdom for us to live life. So I want to encourage us today uh, re- regarding this book. As I've said a couple of times, this book is the best-selling book in the whole world. And today, in, in the next, today alone, in the next 24 hours, uh, this book will be given or sold 200,000 times. 200,000 of these books every day on average are given away or sold every, every 24 hours. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Did you know this book... It's been translated into over 2,018 different languages. The next best author in our um, world today is Shakespeare, who has had his works only translated into 50 languages. But this is over 2,018 different languages. Uh, there must be something about this book um, that, uh, as I've been sprouting all, all month, there's something about it. And the book, um, the, the reason I believe this book is not only popular but has standed the test of time. Standard the test of time is because what we read in uh, this particular scripture this morning, and it just says that in, we'll go back to that one, it just says uh, in one, 2 Timothy, it says it's God-inspired. Well, this is, I'll let you guys handle it, take it back to the first slide. It just says in scripture, hey, hello? It's okay. Don't ever look that way. You don't want to embarrass anybody. <laughs> no, the other way. <laughs> Maybe it's frozen. There we go. Everybody go. Amen. Second Timothy, chapter 3. Where were we? So the reason I believe this book is so popular lasted the test of time because every scripture, it said, is God-inspired or God-what-breathed. God-breathed. God-inspired or God-breathed. And um, it, it, that means that God has looked, uh, looked over his word. He not just, he's not just inspired his writing, but he's looked over it through the history of, of its existence and protected it in a sense, I believe. And Because uh, many times the Bible was tried to be destroyed and wiped from the face of the earth, and it never happened. Praise God for that. We still have it today. So, you know, God has overseen it. You know, and in the verses in this Bible, he, he's overseen the uncomfortable ones you read. Ever read something uncomfortable in the Bible? 
and the comfortable ones. He's, he's, he's overseen the challenging ones and the encouraging ones, the ones that I don't understand and the ones that we happily embrace. He's overseen every word that was written there. And not only that, it says it's good for teaching and training. All the nice parts of the Bible we enjoy reading, you know? Uh, the joy of the Lord is my strength, you know, or, you know, um, where it talks about uh, many things that sometimes not only good stuff, but challenges us. Sometimes we can say to God, well, you know, the rebuking and the reproofing and the correcting. And we could say this morning, well, I don't really need rebuking and correcting. Um, but just think about it this way. God is not there wanting to necessarily make you feel belittled by his word. But in actual fact, he points out the direction and correction you need because he loves us too much to leave us the way we are. And when we read his word, it actually, we get something challenging in there and he tries to bring direction for you so that you may go on to a better life and enjoy life and be blessed in life. You know, um, so uh, it actually says it makes the wise, uh, it makes uh, wise of the simple. Now, the simple isn't like, intellectually handicapped. He's just talking about those who don't understand. He wants to make you wise. He wants to give you hope and a future. And it comes as you partake and read and uh, in, involve yourself in grabbing a hold of the truths of God's word. So it, he's not out there to just uh, correct us just for the sake of it. It's not like the world that says, well, wake up to yourself and get your act together and walk away. God never walks away from us when, he correct, when we read something. He wants to bring life out of it and tell us how to really enjoy it. That's why he's got love and grace and mercy that he, he shows us. In actual fact, it says in Hebrews that he, he disciplines those he loves. You know, you, when you were a kid and your, and your father or mother said to you, I don't remember my mother or father ever saying this to me, um, but you know, apparently some parents did. You know, when they're about to give their child a smack, this is really going to hurt me more than you because I love you. And you, as a kid, go, "Yeah, Dad, you love me. Well, don't whack me." <laughs> but the reality is, is give them a smack just to train them, to teach them, and say, "Don't do it again." Um, and for some of us, it was good. It was good. I'm not meaning in the, the worst way. I'm not meaning, you know, um, uncontrolled anger by our parents, but I mean the appropriate way. And, you know, God is a heavenly father, just tenderly takes us aside and just whacks us with the truth and then brings life to us and embraces us and says, I know you've got tears, but you're gonna, there's something good's going to come out of this. And as we read his word, he applies it. We can apply it. So, so we see, uh, it, says, it says that we may be complete. And I talked about that. We may be thoroughly equipped. It says, for every good work, for every good work. What good work are they? You know, God wants us to do his work on this earth. God wants us to, as we've talked about, go and heal, for the, heal the sick. Go and lay hands on the sick. You can find it in God's word how to do that. God wants you to know how to pray. How can you pray to God? He gives you direction in God's word. How do we pray? How do we pray for others? How do we pray for ourselves? He wants us to live a life free of unforgiveness so that we can... How do we do that? Well, just find out what God's word says about it. He wants us to live work, to live well and do our work well and be the best we can. How do you, where do you find that? We're just in God's word. It's all good work. We're not saved by good works, but we're certainly saved for good works. Do, do good work. So every good work, the Word of God, so we can be complete. I love that. So I want to talk to you today. This is where we want to just focus down on, drill down on. And that's, I just want to talk to you about the incredible power of this Word because this Word, there's a process and there's an explosion. 
Can you remember those two words? When we read God's word, there comes a process. It's not either or, it's both. But there comes a process and there also comes an explosion sometimes when we read God's word. The truth is, um, we can say, well, you know, I talk to people and when they read God's word, they, say, they, they start to share all these amazing revelations they've had from God's word. And, and, you know, when I read God's word, I don't get that. I don't get any revelations. I just read it and I read it and, you know, and, you know, and you say, well, you know, I don't get that. And I, I want to say to you today, don't be disappointed because, um, you, you know, what happens is you say, even though you say, well, I get nothing from it. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Because there's a process. There's a process. I want to show you a verse in the Bible, and it's um, from uh, Isaiah 55. Uh, verse, this is the, the water one that you're looking at before. Let's see if this works. Okay, it did work this morning. It doesn't matter. Just throw it, put that over here. Can we just sift it through, Jeff? Thanks, mate. Just to the, I think it might be the third slide. Isaiah 55, 10, 11. It says, For as rain comes down, it's appropriate. And the snow from heaven, not so appropriate for Gladstone. And do not return there, but water the earth. Does rain water the earth? Brilliantly. And, and make it bring forth and bud, that we, and it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my what? Word be that, uh, be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall be prosper in the things which I send it. The Bible always gives us word pictures. And if you're willing to just take your time to read the Bible and just read that verse a couple times, you see this beautiful word picture. It, we won't worry about the snow because culturally this doesn't really not relevant to us at the moment, but water is certainly relevant. And when rain falls from the sky, I don't know about you, but it pools. I see pools of water everywhere. It pools. And, and sometimes, the, and, you know, you go, that pool in the morning, it's not there the next day. Where's it gone? Has someone drank it? No, it's gone into the earth. And, it, and what it's done is it's, it's gone into the earth. And I'm telling you nothing you don't know, but it just gives, um, you know, sustenance to the, to the plants. And those little plants suck up that water. And they start to bud and they start to produce fruit. And, and the reality is no water, no budding, no fruitfulness. Is that true? But, you know, it pools for a season. And, you know, and you think about the reality of that. Water disappears into the soil and then it produces life. You know, what, what's happening is when we read God's word and you're saying, I don't get anything out of it, we'll just keep reading it because you're pearling the word of God in your heart. And, and after a while, that pooling starts to sink into your heart and you'll be surprised what starts to jump out of the Word of God. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But it's just the pooling. That's what Isaiah is saying. He was a prophet, a major prophet in the Bible. He says, you know, water, the Word of God is pooling. It's pooling. Keep on reading it. Yeah, but I don't get anything. Well, keep on reading it. Just keep on. In actual fact, why don't you read the same passage? Why don't you read the same chapter for one week? And see what God would say. If you pull it and see what he would speak to your heart. Sometimes we think, I better read the Bible today. Try to get through, you know, one whole book. It's got 50 chapters. Don't do that. Just read it. Start to pull God's word in your heart. And it's amazing. You know, sometimes when rain falls, it falls on pretty hard soil. But if there's one thing I've discovered about hard soil, if you put enough water on it, it gets softer. And sometimes our heart can be a little hard. 
But if you, if you allow God's word to just sit on top, it might just sit on the top for a while, but it will eventually see, seep in and it'll just soften the heart and, and soften your response to what God's speaking to your heart. And then when the correction comes, you go, yeah, I can receive that. Yeah, I need to, I need to adjust here. But if your heart is, heart is hard, it's like, you've got to be joking. I don't even, that's not even part of my life. I don't want to be part of that. And you don't receive or you don't respond and you certainly don't um, change anything. Nothing changes. But if you allow it to pool and you keep on going, well, even though I'm struggling, I'm going to keep on reading it. And it pools in your heart and it starts to soften your heart and it brings about life. It brings about hope. Um, uh, I love it. Prolonged exposure to God's word is powerful because it produces life within us as we continue to read it. You know, there's a, a, I love this experiment these scientists set up one day. They took a, a, a one-ton wooden beam and they suspended it from a big girder and, a, and they just suspended it in midair via a chain. And then they um, took a little cork, you know, a cork from a bottle. It's a light little cork. And how, somehow they suspended it on a pendulum mechanism so the cork would um, come and bounce off the beam, bounce back, bounce. And it just kept on doing it. And after one hour, um, the, the idea was to see what kind of reaction this little cork hitting the beam would have on the beam. After an hour, there was no response. There was no reaction. The beam just sat solid. After two hours, nothing happened. After five hours, nothing was happening. The beam was just sitting solid. After six hours, all of a sudden, I saw this beam. Slight movement. After 10 hours, the beam was moving two millimeters to the left and swaying back. After 24 hours, the beam was actually swinging five millimeters back and forwards. After three days, the beam was now swinging around about, about a, a whole inch, 25 millimeters back. And after two weeks, the beam was now swinging about seven inches. Just continual process, hitting the beam, continual exposing this beam to this little light cork, and yet there was such, there was never a response at first, but eventually there was a response. The prolonged exposure to the little cork affected it, and yet the cork was so small, so light, and really didn't hold anything. You could never think it would move a beam, and yet amazingly it did. Isn't that an incredible, not only power of natural forces, but it's a power that God says in his word, prolonged exposure will bring about a change and a movement and momentum in your life um, that you cannot turn back from. It's a momentum that God wants to create, a momentum of his truth, a momentum of his word that brings life to us. So I want to encourage you, prolonged exposure. It's, the, it's called the process. Well, can you just say that with me? It's, it's the process. It's the process of God's word. I love um, what also Isaiah says, in, and I haven't got it up there, but Isaiah 44 says, and God formed you in your mother's womb. God talks, whenever God created anything, he often, now sometimes he just spoke the word at creation and it became to being, but other times there's a, there's a concept he formed it. And um, it says that in Isaiah 44, he formed you and your mother. He knit you together. It says in Galatians chapter 4, it says that um, Christ is to be formed in you. The word form means to shape. 
It means to fashion. It means to put all the parts together and shape it into something amazing. That's what the word form means. And, you know, every, and I see that God wants to form your life. Do you know how God forms your life? But you've got to give him some good material to work with, folks. If, he, if you're going to, he wants to fashion you. It, you know, when he formed you in your mother's womb, that was just the physical forming. Now he wants to make you into his image. It says in Genesis, he made Adam and Eve into his image. In other words, it wasn't just physical. It was the emotional state that God placed within us. You know, the ability to love, the ability to have hope, the ability to have joy, the ability to have peace, all those wonderful qualities that we want. He formed us and made us. And I want to tell you that truth, and the more we read of his truth, the more it forms us. The more it not only informs us, but forms us, shapes our, our, our culture, shapes our thought processes, shapes how we do life, shapes how we respond to the negativity in our life, shapes us whether we're going to be worrying and have anxiety today or we're going to still have peace and joy today. Even in the midst of the struggle, it shapes us and God forms our life. Do you know the devil wants to form you as well? It says, no weapon formed against me will prosper. You know, the devil is out every day to try and form some weapons against you. And just as he formed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden in Genesis, that little snake come along, the devil or whatever creature it was, and wanted to reverse God's order. So where God wanted to form, the devil wanted to deform. To deform. The devil wants to deform your life. You know where the deforming happens? It happens in your mind. It all starts there. The lies that he speaks, the suggestions that he tries to lay on your life, the, uh, uh, the, uh, all the anxieties and the worries and the unforgiveness and the hatred and the revenge and the, whatever you want to name this morning is everything negative. That's what he wants to deform you. You ever walked into a supermarket and seen those vegetables? In actual fact, you'll never see these vegetables in the supermarket. These are the ones. You'll never see this in the supermarket. You'll never see carrots like that, do you? Do you know Why? Because they throw them on the, in the rubbish heap. Isn't that, isn't that terrible? Because they're just as, you could eat them carrots to be just as good as normal looking carrots. You know, God takes our deformities and still says, you're useful and purposeful and wonderful and I love you still. The devil takes it and wants to deform you and throw you on the rubbish heap. And the way he'll do it is he'll attack your suggestions and your emotions and your mind. And the more that you give God of this word, the less he can attack and destroy your life and deform your life. He wants to form you. The devil wants to deform you. It all starts with what you think about. And the more I have of his word, the more the enemy's arrows don't, don't hit the mark. Don't hit the mark. You know, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. That's Thank you, Lord. I receive that. God, today I'm facing temptation. I want to do this. I want to say that. But, you know, it says, if I submit to you, God, resist the devil, he will flee. James chapter 4, verse 7. Thank you, God. Actually, Philippians 4, 8 says, if I think on things that are good and pure and right and just and worthy of praise and thanksgiving, man, that's good. Let me think about those things, God, today. Oh, this is the promise. This is starting to, my God, that's brilliant. My God, the enemy's saying this is about me, but I just got your word. It's like a incredible thing that just stops the enemy's suggestions. You know, I want to hate my parents, hate this, hate this. God, but you says to love them. Oh, help me to do that, God. Amen. God wants to form us into his image. It's in here. Um, but then you say, you know, the question still comes. You know, people say to me, oh, just things jump off the page at me. 
When I read God's word, oh, it jumps off the page at me. I'm, you know, and I, I go, amen, good on you. And how comes things don't jump off the page at me? And, you know, you know, there's no explosion. There's no thunder and lightning moments for me. When I, I tell you what, this is where continue the process. Because if you continue the process long enough, there'll come the explosion. There'll come the moments of explosion. But, you know, you could, sometimes you read it for the first time, it explodes. But then sometimes you just got to pool for a while. Mm, mm. I'll read that again. Mm, mm. You, know, you know what that's called? Meditation. It's just meditation. It's not an Eastern religious word where you sit on the floor, cross-legged and hum something. No, it's actually just reading God's Word again and again. Just worship, praising, just reading, just taking, meditating upon it. Uh, meditating. Um, and when you meditate, you'll find that there'll come revelation. There'll come the explosion. There'll come the moment, God, that's for me. You know, if you get hungry enough to read it, you'll find that you'll always be filled. You just got to get a little bit hungrier. So I'm just going to keep on pearling. Just going to keep on reading. You know, even the days when you know you've got a full day ahead of you, you know, don't discard the moment you just read the Bible. Go, oh, that's good, but you're so busy. And don't, you know, keep on pearling. Because there'll come the explosion. You've got to realize that the explosion will come. See, the Word of God says in Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 29. Let's turn to there. Um, this is the last one for the morning. Um, and it says, Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in what? Pieces. Is not my word. Uh, we could have a whole sermon on fire, but let's leave that one. But it says, is not my word like a hammer that rocks? That You know, this is not, when God talks about a hammer, the word of God, it's not just like a little, it's not like it's just a little, um, you know, watchmaker's hammer. Tap, 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 tap. It's never going to do anything. It's like a slate. If it's going to break a rock, folks, it has to be big. Would you agree? It has to be large. It's going to break something in pieces. What needs to be broken? I tell you what, the, all the large rocks of your life, they just need to get out of your life needs to be broken. God does that when you read his word and take it into his heart and you have an explosion moment and that, that deception, that lie over your life that I'm nothing, I'm no one and I haven't got a future and no one loves me, that lie over your life can be smashed. You know, you should take a hold of God's word and just read it. Say, Father, there's an explosion moment. God, my identity isn't in, in what people think of me. It's actually in you today. You know, that, that moment that God speaks to your heart, it gives you a revelation. That's what he's talking about in Jeremiah's talking about. That's what my word is like. That stronghold is broken. That thought pattern is broken. That lustful lifestyle, that habit that you want to destroy. I tell you, the more of you pull of this, the more opportunity for explosive moments that will just break that pattern, that habit, that destructive thing. I want to encourage us. Amen. So... Some people say, I don't get much revelation like other people. That's okay. Your job is not revelation. Your job is just, uh, your job is to continue to meditate. Because it's God, it's the Holy Spirit's job to give you the revelation. You know, the Word of God is like, it's described as a light. Isn't that right? Folks, light is all around us. Even when we're in darkness, there's still light on the earth. It's not our job to make the light. It's our job just to receive the light. And God wants to give you revelation, truth, and light in your heart. You just need to be in a position to receive it. So even though it seems like there's dark moments, maybe today you're just sensing the dark moment. Just, it, it, I can't see where I'm going. Don't, the light hasn't dissipated. It's just that the sun's around the other side of the earth. 
And it's going to come around again, and you're going to have light. Amen? And you just got to, it, it's not our job to make it, it's our job to receive it. Um, uh, I praise God for that. The scripture, it says, let's recap. The scripture says it's God-breathed. And the authors of the Bible um, were writing it. God was overseeing it. Some 44 different authors, 66 different books, God was overseeing it. He watches over his word to perform it, it says. So the same, the same Holy Spirit who breathed, breathed on the writer who was writing it, the Pauls and the Peters of this world and the Jeremiah's and the Isaiah's and the Moses as they wrote it, he breathes on the reader, not just the author, but he breathes on us as the reader. And, and, and as we read it, I want to challenge you and invite you uh, to start to read his word. Now, all of us probably are. That's great. But I want to challenge you to lift to the level and see what God could do in your life and the truth. See, the more you invite him and ask him, the more opportunity you'll have to understand it. And we need to invite him. You know, I want to tell you, I want to encourage you today. Would you read with someone else? You know what you can read? Read with the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you thought, oh, I've got to find a person. No, no, that's okay. You've got to read with the Holy Spirit. In other words, sit there, open the Word of God, and just say, Father God, through your Holy Spirit, would you just bring revelation truth? Today, I often pray this little prayer. God, if there's something to encourage me, give it to me. I, I like that part. Then I softly say, if there's something to rebuke me, you know, God, just deal with me softly. You know, but um, God, Holy Spirit, would you come today? And just, just as I read your Word, just highlight. And you know what I'll do then? Sometimes on my phone, I've got a whole list of... Where's my phone? It's down there. Um, I've got a whole list of little uh, journals. They only take five minutes to write, but I think, that's a good truth. Wow, that's it. And I'll just write little thoughts and journal my thoughts. And I'll go back sometimes weeks later and go, wow, that was brilliant. I should write a book. <laughs> Not that good. Some of you have. Uh, but, you know, just... You can journal if you want. That's a brilliant thing. But the truth is, just invite, read with someone else. Read with the Holy Spirit. Just invite him. You know, my, my wife makes incredible food. Um, some of you know about that. I, I live a blessed life in regards to food. Um, so my wife bakes a cake, or my daughters bake a cake. And I've noticed, I, I'm, I've noticed as a husband, there's, there's kind of two operations in baking a cake. There's the dry mixture. You've got to prepare that first. Is that right? You know, whether it's self-raising flour or cocoa or flour or sugar or whatever, but it's the dry mixture. And you know, um, when I come into the kitchen, um, I've learned that you can't stick the spoon in the dry mixture and really get any gratification out of that. <laughs> There's no joy in just, man, you got to have a ton of water afterwards. It just dries your mouth out. There's just no good doing that. But you know what? They put some liquid with it. They put some eggs with it, some, you know, mixture, some milk in there, whatever it makes the cake nice and they mix that up and they tell you that's the time when they're out of the kitchen that's the opportunity guys that's the time that's the time when you make the dash into the kitchen with the biggest spoon you can find and dip out that and man it tastes nice would you agree okay some of you are obviously um a little deprived you need to try it so So you can take this word, and, it, and I understand sometimes you rush through it, it's a busy day, but, and you read it, but it's just a dry mixture. But you take the liquid of the Holy Spirit, His presence, and I tell you what, it becomes so, so wonderful to taste, so nice to receive. And even the hard stuff seems like, oh, God, you're so good. 
That's what I need to correct. That's what I need to, you know. God just doesn't want to bring information to you today. He wants to bring transformation. God just doesn't want to correct you. He wants to direct you. He wants to bring life. So how about we stand this morning um, as a church? Is that cool? God's heart, he wouldn't have given it to us. He wouldn't have made it last for over 2,000 years. In actual fact, 1,300 years before Christ, Moses was writing part of the Old Testament. So it's over 3,000 years. We've still got it. Praise God. He didn't do all that for us just to leave it on our shelf. He'd done it so we'd read it. His words to us, his revelation to you. Father, today, let me pray for us as a family today, as a church. I thank you for every single person today. Father God, your truth to us brings life to us. Uh, Father, I ask you, you'll help us. Father, I know what it's like. I can go through the day and think, wow, I just left you out of today. I don't want to do that, Lord. And I know reading your word is part of that process for my life. And so help us all, Lord, uh, to continue to understand the process of your word, of pooling your word in our hearts. And then, Lord, allowing, I know in time, there'll come some wow moments that you'll just bring truth right at that moment when we really need to hear it. So, Father, we thank you today. I pray for people today that just have those dark moments where it seems like the sun is on the other side of the earth. Father, today for their lives, that they, Lord, would just know that there is a morning that is coming and that they should not give up holding uh, your word in their hearts because it will bring the light of truth to bear upon that which they feel is so down and out. You know, there's someone here this morning, you're facing an incredible struggle, and you know, it's all around you, but the truth is the struggle, God would say, is also in you. And he would say, even as you would give your focus and your attention a little bit more to him, more than the problem, as you would magnify him and make him greater, you'll find that the problem, number one, is nowhere near as big as it is. It's really quite small. And number two, you'll find truth and answers to lead life and to lead it well and to live life well. So God would speak to you today and say, come on. Draw near to me, and I will run to you. Draw near to you. Uh, Father, I pray for that person or people today, and that, Lord, that they would, uh, Father, heed your truth, and that we'd walk in life, because you are a Father that loves us, and we thank you in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed, said? Amen. Hey, enjoy the morning. Share with someone. Don't walk out the door. Why don't we uh, say hello to someone? And uh, it'd be great morning tea is there. That'd be great.